Thanks for joining us today. We are always encouraged to know that God is using this ministry to touch lives all across the world through what He's doing right here in Murfreesboro, Illinois. Please take a moment and share what God is doing in your life by sending an email to info at cccmurphy.com. We trust that you will be blessed by today's message. All right, turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. wait until you can see each other. Now try it. I'm glad you're here. We're excited about what God is doing. Uh, Again, announced tonight is our first encounter night. I want you to come expecting. This is a night to come in expecting a miracle, expecting God to, whatever you have need of, God is a God that can supply that need. So you come hungry. The Bible said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness because they'll be filled. So come expecting to have an encounter with the presence of God. Also, the, on the couple's night out, we encourage you that even if you're not a couple, but you're, you, you may be thinking about marriage or, or getting married or, you know, looking at... Uh, <clears throat> Should I get married? Should I not get married? This would be a good night for you to come out and show up. We'll be talking about all the wonders of marriage and all the woes. Everybody say wonders and woes. That's why when you get married, you say for better or for worse. Some get the better, some get the worse. No, I'm kidding. It's going to be a great time, so we want you to come out and be there for that And then Hope uh, is an outreach to the homeless that's uh, facilitated here. We help facilitate that here at the church. If you'd like to be a part of this outreach team or help with collecting items that are needed, if you'll see Melinda Purcell, Melinda, if you'll stand, their first outing, uh, well, their next outing, rather, is going to be on March the 17th from 10.30 to 1.30 p.m. Get with her, and she'll tell you what you'll be doing. They feed the homeless, they not just feed, but they help provide Bibles and eyeglasses and personal hygiene products. So get with her. You're going to enjoy being a part of that. All right. Now what we're going to do is we're going to start off with a skit. So I'm going to ask Dean if he would to come and help me move this. We're going to just move this out of the way so you can see this. And the title of the message today is, I'll let you figure it out here in just a second. Jasmine, give me, give me the iPad. I have homework I have to do. Well, I want to play Subway Surfers. I have lessons due literally in less than 24 hours. I don't care. No, I don't care. Hey, guys. No, no, no. Kiss, kiss. Hey, hey, hey. Knock it off. Knock it off. I don't want to play Subway Surfers. No. You give me, you give me that iPad right now or else. All right, stop, stop, stop. All of you, give me the iPad. Give me. Now listen, I want all of you to apologize to each other right yes. now. Yes. Sorry. My bad. Sorry. I'm sorry you made me miss the game. Oh. <laughs> Go to your room. Okay. So the title of today's message is A Love That Lasts is a Love That Forgives. 
turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I forgive you. Don't know what you did yet, but I forgive you. Just keep living and you're going to do something. I forgive you. A love that lasts is a love that forgives. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of... It's a long message today. The book of Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, fault-finding. If you hadn't figured it out yet, this is in the Amplified. And slander be put away from you, along with every kind of malice, all spitefulness, verbal abuse, and malevolence. Verse 32, be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you. A love that lasts has to be a love that forgives. The first time that the word forgive shows up in Scripture is found in Genesis, and it's not concerning a story about a stranger that did something to someone but it's concerned about a family member that's mistreated by his own family. Let me share his story with you. It's a young man that has dreams, only to find his dreams turn into a nightmare because of what his brothers do to him. Joseph is just a young man, probably around 17 years old at the time, and He starts to have dreams about what God's going to do in his life. Who of us haven't had dreams? Dreams are a good thing, aren't they? Especially if those dreams are sent by God. But the thing is, is everybody doesn't understand your dreams. And the truth is, is sometimes you make a mistake when you're trying to communicate your dreams to someone else because that's what happens in Joseph's case and his brothers begin to hate him for his dreams. You know, it's kind of like it's one thing if you can laugh a dream off. You know what I'm talking about? It's like if somebody that can't sing at all and they come up and they say, man, one of these days, well, actually, all you had to do is watch American Idol. You know what I'm talking about? Was that, was that American Idol when it came out? You know, and they, they would come up there and they, they had dreams of being a, a, a superstar and they'd open their mouth and start to sing. And literally, when I first saw that show, that part of that show, I thought it was staged. I thought it was all set up. I didn't realize that those people really thought they could sing. I mean, if they wanted to find out if they could sing, all they had to do is come and talk to me. But they, their, their dreams are dashed and shattered. And, but Joseph's dream comes from God. He doesn't even understand it all himself. He sees his corn stalks stand up and all of his brother's corn stalks bow down before him. That's not a good way to get on your greeting card list. They, they're upset with him. He sees the moon and the stars and, you know, and, and the sun coming and, and, and pain 
homage to him. And even his father gets a little upset about that one and makes a statement. He said, shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow down to you? You know, when you allow unforgiveness or bitterness to begin to manifest in its heart, it doesn't stay in a small corner. It spreads like weeds, and it begins to try and take over and choke out every other part of your life. And so his brothers can't speak peaceable to him. They don't want anything to do with him. You know Joseph's story. His father sends him off to check on his brothers, and they're further away than they usually are. And when they see him coming, they begin to plot in their own mind, and they literally say this. I want you to think about these thoughts concerning your own family. Let's kill him. That's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? Let's kill him and we'll see what comes of his dreams. And if it hadn't been for Reuben intervening, those boys full well intended to kill him. But instead, they take his coat that his father made for him, they tear it up, they throw him in a pit. They end up, when Reuben leaves, they end up selling him off as a slave and, and, and they take his coat and dip it in blood and take it back to his father and ask, is this your son's? His dad's heart is broken. He, he, he grieves and he will not be comforted. And Joseph goes on and he's trying to figure all this stuff out. I mean, I want you to think about what it would be like to have your own family turn on you, sell you out. Well, as a matter of fact, some of us may be able to relate to that. You see, sometimes we forget that the stories we read in Scripture are relevant and they very well touch our lives. And though you may not have experienced what Joseph experienced at the hand of his brothers, you may very well have experienced what it's like to not have love shown in family. But a love that lasts is a love that's got to forgive. Joseph is carried off into Egypt. He becomes a slave. Here's what you need to understand is that no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, doesn't mean that God can't get you through. And it also doesn't mean that God isn't going to use your present circumstance to get you exactly where he promised you. We get this stuff all figured out in our head and we know how it ought to happen and we know how it ought to come to pass. And then when it doesn't happen according to our thoughts and our ways, we're ready to throw up our hands and quit. But God said his thoughts are above our thoughts and his ways are above our ways. So quit trying to figure it out and just walk it out and let God be God. And so Joseph finds out that even in the situation he's in, God has not forgotten him. He's not left a slave in a field. He becomes, he, he becomes a steward over Potiphar's house, and he's brought in by Potiphar himself, and, and he's given. As a matter of fact, Joseph's own words are this. There's no one in this house greater than I am, except your husband. 
And the only thing he's kept back from me is you. That doesn't sound like a slave, does it? I'm telling you that even in your worst nightmare, God can bring you to a place of honor. And his wife looks at him and Potiphar's wife is begging Joseph to not sin against Potiphar and not sin against her. But Joseph said, I can't do this great sin against God. Why is Joseph words like that? Because that's where his heart is. The most important relationship to Joseph is his relationship to God. And everything he does and everything he says and all of his actions are all weighed by that relationship. And hear me today, when our most important relationships become our relationship with God, it will help us to be able to navigate life in an easier way because we are no longer contemplating things. We may have contemplated before. Well, she's not happy with that answer. I'm not going to repeat that old saying about a woman scorn. You know, the part that says hell hath no fury. I'm not going to say that. Like a woman scorn, I, I just won't go there. But she did. (laughs) And when she did, Joseph felt the blunt of it. And man, they come in. His husband comes in. I can't help but think that Potiphar maybe knew because he'd seen this man operate. He'd seen the integrity that he walked in. But it's hard to go the other way because then he knows that it's his wife that's the problem and so he takes Joseph and he throws him in prison has him committed to prison and even there God shows him favor he becomes the head over prisoners and you know what happens butler and a baker have a dream he interprets their dream and it happens say the butler goes back to work the baker goes to the grave he dies and then pharaoh has a dream and that butler remembers this young man named joseph and and joseph had made the statement to the butler he said when when you go back when you stand before pharaoh remember me because i've done nothing to be here wow it's tough isn't it when you're suffering injustice and you've done nothing to deserve it. I want you to remember that because I'm going to come back to it in a minute. When you find yourself suffering injustice and you've done nothing to deserve it. It's one thing for me to suffer something I deserve, but when you have to suffer something that you don't deserve and he's suffered that and and now he 
he's being, he, he, he told that butler, he said, remember me, I, I haven't done anything worthy to be here. And, and he forgets him. You ever feel like you've been forgotten? Come on, wave your hand. You ever feel like you've been forgotten? Anybody ever forget your birthday? Anybody ever forget to get you a Christmas present? If you want to take down my address, it's P.O. Box. No. <laughs> Anybody ever forget a kindness that you've shown them and never acknowledged you and, and just, and, and you kind of felt like, wow, maybe that's why the scripture said everything you do, do unto the Lord. Because otherwise, you're, you may be waiting for some, you know, and, and I think that's the biggest challenge for us because Jesus teaches, he said, when you pray, go in your closet and pray. When you fast, wash your face and don't act like you're fasting. He said, those people that pray on the street corner, he said, that is their reward. That's the only reward they're going to get. But when you go into your closet and you're praying and seeking God and nobody else knows about it, he said that what you've done in secret, I'm going to take and reward you openly. But it comes down to who are you doing it for? And so he pleads with the butler not to forget him. But man, it's, I mean, he forgets him. I believe it's two full years that go by and, 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 and he hasn't even thought of him. And, and I wondered about that. Have you ever wondered why it hasn't happened yet? Let's learn a lesson from Joseph. It didn't happen for Joseph yet because he wasn't ready for it yet. Now, if you'd have asked Joseph, he wouldn't have told you that. Joseph would have told you, well, yeah, I'm ready. Bring it on. But the truth is, if the butler had told Pharaoh and he let Joseph go, where would Joseph have gone? He'd have went right back to where he started from. God didn't bring you this far for you to end up right back where you started from. The miracle and the dream that God gave Joseph didn't have to do with where he was at. It had to do with where God was going to take him. Now, you may not like the vehicle that takes you there, but don't abandon the journey because you're going to end up exactly where you need to be. He would, have, he would have cut and run. He would have abandoned ship. and He wouldn't have been positioned. This is one thing I've learned about God. God will get you exactly where you need to be when you need to be there. Because it doesn't do you any good to show up someplace and it's not time yet. <laughs> you need to... Make sure it's time. Everybody say, it's time. Have you ever eaten a boiled egg before it's time? When I first started cooking, you know, as a kid, I, I, I'd seen these omelets, you know. You know what I'm talking about, bacon, and cheese, bacon, bacon egg, and cheese omelet? Let me add it, man. I, I grabbed me some eggs and threw in a skillet, and I threw some cheese in that skillet, and I grabbed some raw bacon and threw it in that skillet. Look, they were all where they were supposed to be, but they showed up there at the wrong time. <laughs> the bacon should have been there long before the eggs and the cheese showed up, but I didn't know that. And I threw them all together, stirred it up, 
The bacon, I mean, the eggs and the cheese got done long before the bacon ever thought about getting done. I never got so sick in all my life. What'd you do? Well, the bacon, I mean, the eggs were done, the cheese was done. I figured it was time. And I ate it. Yeah, easy for you to say, I'm the one that ate it. <laughs> and I, I got, there's something about eating raw bacon that just will upset your stomach. So you've got to make sure that it's time. Everybody say, make sure it's time. Now it's time. And he starts, Pharaoh's had a dream, and, 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 and nobody can understand this dream. And so they go and get Joseph, and Joseph comes in, and he begins to share the dream. And here is the thing, is Joseph does not withhold God's answer. Let me say it this way. Joseph does not hold Pharaoh ransom for the God's answer until he gets what he wants. Amen. Wow. Send me $10,000 and I'm going to pray for a miracle for you. Really? Are you going to try and hold God's promise ransom until you get what you want? Well, come to, well, never mind. Let me just. <laughs> so what ends up happening is he tells Pharaoh exactly what it means. He said, look, the Lord has shown you that there's going to be seven years of plenty, and then there's going to be seven years of famine, and the famine's going to be so bad that the years of plenty will be forgotten. So this is what you ought to do. He doesn't pause. He doesn't take a breath. He doesn't say, he doesn't wait for Pharaoh to ask him and then get a little smile on his face. Well, I know what you ought to do, but I ain't telling you because I'm in prison. You get me out of prison, we'll talk. No, he immediately gives it to him. He immediately shares, so this is what you need to do. You need to set someone up over the land to begin to collect a fifth of all the produce and set it back so that during the times of famine that there'll be food and you'll be sustained. You know, if you'll just do what God's asking you to do, you won't have to worry about trying to get a door open. It'll just open up on its own. God will make sure that it does. And Pharaoh said, where are we going to find anyone that's any, you know, wiser than this man? And so in that, uh, in a moment, he goes from the prison to the palace. In an instant, he goes from living a nightmare to living the dream. Is anybody living the dream today? <laughs> well, if you're not, you need to begin to pray, God, what is it I'm not doing? Amen. Not, God, if I could just be someplace else, it'd all come together. No, no, you need to begin to ask yourself, God, what, it is, what is it you want me to do Amen. so I can start living the dream? I'm living the dream, folks. Amen. I'm living the dream. Now, sometimes your dreams have strange characters show up in them. Just because you're living the dream doesn't mean you're not going to run into trouble. Just because you're living the dream doesn't mean there's not going to be opposition or, you, may, you know, doesn't mean that a, a you know, some, a people purple eater isn't going to show up in your dream. But you've got to keep your focus on God. And so here's what happens. He comes in, he he is set up, and, 
and, and man, he starts, you know, he has children. He's forgotten all about his father's house, and, and, and things are going great. And then one day, guess who shows up? His brothers. Huh. I knew God had given me an opportunity to get revenge. Isn't that what we think sometimes? Isn't that even how we pray sometimes? God, I, you know what they did to me. Just, you know, just God, you get them good. You, 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 just, you, know, that you know what they've done. And God, if you need help, I want you to know I'm here. I'm available. I'll be glad to do whatever. As a matter of fact, I could help you out in knowing what you ought to do to them. But he doesn't do that. He, he, well, no, let, let, let me reel back here. He does do that, actually. You see, Joseph is, re, is a real person that's dealing with real emotions. So when he sees his, their, his brothers show up, he doesn't run out to them and say, Hey, here I am. You remember? I, it didn't happen just like, no, no. He said, <laughs> He doesn't even let him know who he, who he is. And he walks out there and he says, y'all a bunch of stinking spies. No, we're not. We're all the sons of one man. No, you're a bunch of spies. I know you're spies. No, we're not. We're not. And he goes on and you know the story. He ends up, man, he takes one of those, he takes one of those brothers. He, he puts money back in their bags. He takes one of the brothers and keeps him in prison and says, well, I'm, I'm going to let him stay in prison and rot until you bring your younger brother back here because he's not going to leave. And he actually lightened up a bit, so I guess maybe he found some mercy because at first he's going to keep them all locked up. But I think he got to thinking about his daddy that needed something. And he had so much love for his father that he couldn't keep all the brothers, so he released Amen. 10 and kept one. And he released nine and kept one. Thank you, I had to get my arithmetic right there. And so they end up coming back, and when they come back, they've got Benjamin. You know what happens. And he hides himself from them again, and he sticks his gold cup in Benjamin's. He has his gold cup put in Benjamin's sack, and they ride off, and they think everything's wonderful. And he sends the guards after him, and they say, we would have never done anything like that. And they make the mistake and say, whoever's got, whoever you find a gold cup in their sack, let him die, you know. And all of a sudden, man, they find it in Benjamin's sack, and their daddy had begged them not to take Benjamin. So instead of letting Benjamin go back alone, they go back with him. It's amazing they couldn't do that for Joseph. They let Joseph just go alone. But maybe God's doing something to them as well. And so he brings him in. And when he gets them in, and he finally, he can't take it any longer. And he puts everybody out. And he reveals who he is. And these brothers are scared to death. And he looked and he said, don't, don't be angry with yourselves. God sent me here ahead of you to sustain you. Sometimes, folks, you wind up in places you don't want to be, but God's got a reason for you being there. Amen. And so you have to trust him and just walk it out. Now, this is what I want you to notice about this story. Years go by, 
And they, they live in the land of Egypt. They're put over in Goshen, and they, they grow, and they multiply, and nothing is ever said. And, and it seems like that everything's good and everything's wonderful. But then Jacob dies. And when Jacob dies... They get fearful. At the end of Jacob's life, they appeal to Joseph for forgiveness on behalf of their father. Listen to the scripture. This is in Genesis chapter 50, starting with verse 14. After burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him. They believed that the only thing holding back Joseph's wrath had been their father's presence. I'm going to say that again because I want you to remember it. They believed that the only thing holding back Joseph's wrath had been their father's presence presence so they sent this message to joseph they said before your father died he instructed us to say to you please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you for their sin in treating you so cruelly do you think their father really told them to say that no they're making this stuff up jacob knows that joseph has forgiven them but they're they are frightened they these guys are scared stiff and he says, they say, so we, the, now watch how they, they don't even claim his brother. They, they don't even reach out to him and say, so we, your brothers, because they don't feel like they deserve that position. Instead, they say, so we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. And they said, look, we're your slaves. And, but Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? Joseph is saying this, I cannot withhold forgiveness from you. Joseph knew he had another father that was alive and well, and he would not permit it. God is not going to let you hold unforgiveness. How did Joseph know that? Because all those years that Joseph had been in the prison and he'd been disappointed and his heart had been broken, his focus had been on his relationship with God. And when your focus is there, God won't let you get bitter. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I'll continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. There's something about unforgiveness that's devastating. Moses finds himself asking God to forgive Israel when they end up, you, you know what happened with Israel, right? They, he sends spies into the promised land and 
They all saw the same thing. A land that flowed with milk and honey. That's what they said. They brought back grapes the size, man, of baseballs, I guess. You know, it took two men to carry a cluster of them. And when they started talking about it, two of those guys were so excited about it. And they were saying, let's go up at once and possess it. We're well able to overcome it. But the others looked at that, and they started bringing an evil. The Scripture calls it an evil report. I want you to hear what I'm going to say. When you're trying to talk someone out of the promise that God has made them, that's an evil report. Now, if God didn't make you the promise, you're going to find out. But I'm not going to talk you out of it. Because if God made that to you, then he's going to bring it to pass. And so God gets aggravated at them. And, and, and Caleb, when Caleb starts hearing them make statements like, man, we can't go up there and possess that. Are you kidding? This land swallows up the inhabitants. I mean, there are giants that live in that place, man. We look like grasshoppers. I mean, that, that's the way we saw ourselves, like a grasshopper. Well, maybe that was the problem. It's because of the way you view yourself. You need to start seeing yourself the way God sees you instead of the way your friends see you or the way your parents see you or the way society sees you or even the way you're looking at yourself if God be for us who can be against us Jake or Caleb ran in there and said look man he said no don't we're, we're th these folks are like bread to us if the Lord delight in us he's going to give them into our hand their defenses departed from them and they got so mad at Caleb and Joshua for trying to tell them they could have the promise of God that they picked up rocks and they were going to stone them. How about it? Do you ever feel like folks were mad at you because you were sharing with them what God's promised them? Do you ever feel like folks got upset because all you were trying to do is communicate that life doesn't have to be the way it is? That there's God's got something better for you. He's got something more for you. But some people would rather spend another night with the frogs than embrace the promise of God. What are you talking about, Pastor? Don't you remember Pharaoh? He asked Moses to take the frogs away, and Moses said, well, when do you want me to ask God to take them away? And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. If I'd have had frogs in my bed for the last month, I'd like them out tonight. <laughs> I don't want to spend another night with frogs. I don't want another night of pain. I don't want another anxiety. I need some peace in my life. I, I need some joy in my heart. I need a smile on my face. And so he tells them, and Moses goes, God's getting ready to kill him. <laughs> Don't think God doesn't have a temper. He tells Moses, he said, step out of the way. I'm going to destroy all these people, and I'm going to start over with you. And Moses said, don't do that, God. Don't do that. Because then all the people will say it's because you couldn't give them the land. God is sovereign, but what God is doing is he is showing us the way forgiveness works. Because if there's not someone asking for it, then you can't receive it. Are you with me? God just doesn't forgive you for the sake that he's God. Amen. Someone has to be asking God 
for forgiveness. There's got to be someone to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Isn't what the prophet Isaiah said, that he sought for one that would stand in the gap and make up the hedge, but he couldn't find anyone. And so Moses cries out, and God forgives them. Everybody say, God forgives. Solomon is fulfilling the will of the, the, what his father had in his heart. And so Solomon builds the temple that David wanted to build. And, 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 and it's a magnificent temple and, and it's beautiful and it's majestic. But Solomon understands that the only way that the nation can continue as God's chosen nation is if they walk in obedience and, and they walk with a pure heart before him. And Solomon is well aware that man cannot keep himself pure. He cannot make himself holy so he cries out to God and he says God please would you would you please intercede for us would you please help us in the event that we fail and we fall and God speaks to Solomon in a dream in 2nd Chronicles 7 and 14 and he says if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. What's he saying? He's saying this on the heels, if you mess up, if you blow it, God is telling Solomon, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Not before then, but only then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Doesn't it make you feel good to know that there's a God that when you mess up, he doesn't cast you off, but if you'll turn your heart toward him if you'll say here I am God he will forgive your sin just how important is forgiveness anyway this is what Jesus tells us in Matthew 6 and 14 15 he says if you forgive those who sin against you your heavenly father will forgive you but if you refuse to forgive those your father will not forgive your sins that's pretty straightforward isn't it it's not much wiggle room there folks if you want to be forgiven then you must forgive Peter must have been thinking about this, man. I mean, it must have really been on his mind because later on in the 18th chapter of Matthew, he goes to the Lord and he asks this question, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Now listen, he's just heard the Lord communicate to him that unless he forgives, he can't find forgiveness. So Peter's trying to swallow that and think, my goodness, man, I got to forgive. I mean, I got this thorn in my side. You don't know my Uncle Joe. I got this guy at work that just is a, we haven't figured out what he is yet. And you, you're telling me I've got, so he, he's trying to, look, we, we read the scripture, but if you don't make it applicable to your life, then you're not doing anything but having a reading exercise. And Peter knows that if he spoke it, he meant it. So he's trying to figure out how do I apply it? And he said, well, how often should I forgive my, my, my brother? And he thinks he's being generous. And he said, until seven times. 
And Jesus comes back to him, and he says, no, I'm not until seven times. I'm telling you, until seven, the time seven. Four hundred and ninety times. And those of you that understand his teaching understand that it's a, it's a figure of speech. It's what he's saying is you can't withhold forgiveness. 400. I didn't know that when I first got saved, and I, I started keeping track. God is my witness. I started keeping track. I had an older brother that was, and I figured he could really push it. You know, and I knew that was, that was in a day, but I figured he'd been messing with me about 500 times a day. So come 491. <laughs> See, he's, what he's communicating is, Peter, you've got to forgive. You, you can't wiggle out of this. And, and he shares a story about this. And he says, look, there was a king, and this king had a man that owed him a debt. And he called the man to collect the debt, and the man owed him millions of dollars. And the man couldn't pay. And so the king ordered him to be sold, ordered his wife to be sold, ordered his children to be sold, and everything that he had was to be sold and pay the debt. But the fellow fell on his face in front of the king, and he begged him, please just give me more time, and I'll pay you everything I owe you. And the king was moved with compassion, and he showed mercy to that man, and he forgave him. Everybody say it with me. He forgave him. The entire debt. And then something unusual happens. The man that was forgiven the debt went out and found a fellow that owed him a few thousand dollars. And the scripture said that he grabbed him by the throat. And he began to demand payment of that debt. And the man did the same thing. He fell before him and he begged him and he said, please just give me more time and I'll, I'll pay everything I owe you. And, and our thinking is this, that the man would have understood that he had been shown mercy so he ought to extend mercy. He had been shown forgiveness so he ought to give forgiveness. But instead he has that man thrown in prison. Everybody say, what goes around comes around. And the king found out what he did. And he called him back in. And needless to say, he's not happy. And he said, I forgave you millions of dollars of debt. And this guy owed you a few thousand. And you didn't forgive him? In forgiveness that you had experienced. Amen. And the king said, then the angry king sent the man to prison. This is Matthew 18, 34. Then the angry king sent the man to prison. Now listen, to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. That skit that we did up here early that they did, that when they were forgiving each other, did that look like it came from the heart? No. 
We can all relate to that, can't we? We've been told to forgive, and we've said it, but we didn't mean it. And here Christ says, you can't get away with that with God because he knows your heart. And unless you forgive from your heart, then you're going to experience the same torture. That's what he says. That's what your heavenly father will do to you. You may say, pastor, that sounds so harsh. But what Jesus is asking us to do is much less than he did himself. Jesus knows Peter's going to struggle with this, so he tells him, he, he says, Simon, I've, Satan's tried to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith shouldn't fail you completely. He says, so when you've repented, it says converted, but this is what it means. So when you're, you've repented and turned to me again, strengthen and build up the faith of your brothers. He knew Peter was wrestling, and he knew that his biggest wrestling match was in front of him, not behind him. In Gethsemane, Peter's grabbing a sword and hacking off ears. He leaves that garden, and he denies that he even knows who Jesus is. Denies that he even knows him. And yet, Jesus had prayed for him. Because Jesus knows that before you can forgive others, you must be able to forgive yourself. Amen. See, if you don't forgive yourself, you won't pray. If you won't forgive yourself, you won't go to God. You'll try and stay away from him. There was a young man, his name was David Snitker. He was in Iowa. He had a welding accident, and it burned 80% of his body. He said that his family and all of his friends were praying for him. He said the children in the Sunday school class had put, them on a, put him on their prayer chain, and they were praying for him, and they were sending him get well cards. He said the athletes in the high school were raising money to pay for his doctor's bill, and he said, I, when I, I was experiencing all that, he said, man, I knew I was going to be okay, and, and he started getting better. He was, he was getting strong, and then in the midst of that, he started to think about something. And this is what he thought. He thought, what have I ever done to deserve all that love? What have I ever done to deserve the kindness that's been showing to me? Amen. And he, he said, man, he said, he said there, there were things in my life. He said, I messed up. He said, there were things I was completely ashamed of that I had done. And he said, that, that weight and that guilt came over him. And all of a sudden, his, he was getting better. He was getting stronger. But when that guilt fell on him, he started to deteriorate. A fever came over his body. He started losing ground. And, and the doctors couldn't figure out what was going on. And he said, man, I lay there hoping 
hopeless. I lay there helpless. Why? Because he could not forgive himself. And then one night a nurse was in his room and he, he looked at her and said, would, would you read me the Bible? Would you just read a scripture to me? And she turned to Psalms 130 and read, if the Lord should us mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee. With the Lord there's mercy. When she got done reading that scripture to him, she took her temperature. Her mouth fell open and she said, your temperature has dropped. You're getting better. And he did get better. He got whole because when you learn how to forgive yourself, you can forgive others. Would you stand with me? Think of it. Jesus was without sin. Never in the entirety of his life had he done any wrong. And at the end of his life, he is experiencing a horrific wrong being done to him. They spit in his face. They viciously attacked him. And when they were done attacking him, his body was so swollen, his face was so contorted that the scripture said his visage or his image was marred more than any man. He was unrecognizable. They beat a crown of thorns on his head with a stick. I don't know if you've ever had a thorn in your finger. But these thorns were long thorns and they were thick thorns and they beat that into his head. They ripped the flesh from his back and they drove nails through his hands and his feet. The only thing he was guilty of was love. And he looks out over the crowd that's brutalized him and he cries out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He never needed to be forgiven because he'd never done any wrong. And the man that did not need to ask for forgiveness is showing forgiveness. Why? Because he knows it's your only way to obtain it. So he shows it to you first so you can show it to others. But like the parable of the king, if you withhold it from others, he said, I'll withhold it from you. He's not telling you that you're supposed to like someone that's brutalized or victimized you or has taken advantage of you or has tried to disparage you. He's not saying you have to like them. You don't have to like what they did. You don't have to even keep company with them. But you do have to forgive them. 
Because if you won't extend that forgiveness, I can't extend it to you. A love that lasts is a love that forgives. Otherwise, we'd never make it. We'd never make it. Who in this building today, since you said yes to Jesus, has never been in need of forgiveness? Since you repented of your sin and asked God into your life, who among us can wave their hand and say, well, I did that one time and I've never needed forgiveness again? Oh, God, help us. Maybe that's why the scripture said that his mercy is new every day. Sometimes we think we've forgiven, but we're still holding on to it. Do you ever have some, is there somebody in your life that when someone mentions their name, at least you want to spit? And we think we're free from it, but... We're still holding on to it, but the truth is, is they're holding on to us. I had a friend, his name was Willard Walls. He said that the Lord spoke to him. He was going down the road, and the Lord spoke to him, and he said, I want you to forgive. And he said, God, I, I don't know anybody that I've got anything against. He said, I, I, I have I, I don't understand what you're talking about. And then the Lord spoke to him. He said, forgive even the dead. And he said, God, I don't understand what you're talking about. I don't know anybody that I have any animosity toward. And he said, all of a sudden, the Lord allowed him to see the face of two men in the windshield of his vehicle. And these two men were dead. But they were two men that had been in his church and had caused him a lot of trouble. And he didn't even realize he'd never let go of that. He was still holding on to it. And right there and then, he said, God, I'm so sorry. God, I choose to forgive even the dead. Until you say it, you can never feel it. Until you'll extend it, you can never experience it. And so sometimes you just have to take a step by faith and say, God, I forgive. I wonder how hard it was that day to look at a crowd that was crying out for your death, that was spitting on you and mocking you and hurling insults at you and look at them and say, Father, forgive them. Now, I could have looked at a sweet, innocent young girl and said, Lord, forgive her. She didn't know what she was doing. Or I could look at a friend and say, forgive them because they don't know what they were doing. But people that knew what they were doing, in my mind, but it's not my mind I need to be concerned about. It's the mind of Christ. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do today. Because forgiveness is something that's very powerful. I was reading a story about, I, I thought about everything that we've seen happen in the nation with the shooting of these young people. And I thought, God, touch those 
parents. And if you try and put yourself there, it's hard to even think about that. I, I, I read a story about a mother that her son had been murdered and she asked to see the prisoner. And she marched in to that prison room and, and he was behind bars and she looked at him and he was waiting for her to begin to hurl words of hate toward him and instead she looked at him and she said I just want you to know I forgive you and that man broke and began to weep and cry like a baby because there was no reason for her to forgive him there was no reason for him to forgive us but he did it anyway and it changed my life forever do you understand that he knew that you could exercise that and change an individual's life because that man knew the only way that mama could forgive him is for her to be in touch with someone that was far greater than she was. How about it? Are you ready to say, God, I want that love that lasts that love that forgives. So what I want you to do today, I'm asking you to come and find a place in the front of this building. And if you're able to kneel, just kneel with me for a second. And if you're not, just stand with me. And I want us to take a moment. We're entering a new season. We're entering a new day. And we're getting ready to experience the hand of God like we haven't seen before. And I want to make sure that there's nothing in us that's going to hold anything back. How many of you have ever had a stopped up drain before? You know what, man, I hate that because I know what I need to do, but I just don't want to do it. I know I got to take it apart and then I take it apart and I always want to blame Debbie because my hair is not that long. I, I want to blame her, but I know, you know, and, 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 and that's the thing is blaming others doesn't unstop the drain. You just got to start digging it out. And, and man, I, I get in there and start digging it out. And, I, you know, I, worked, I, I, I had a friend that worked at a sewage plant in, in the Dallas area. And he told me he saw two by fours come through. I said, wait a minute, man. This, I said, You're, you deal with a plant where only sewage comes, right? He said, yeah. I said, how did anybody get a two by four down their toilet? He said, I don't know, but it showed up. Sometimes we don't even know how it got there. It just shows up. But you have to get rid of it. You know what his biggest challenge was? Is he worked in a purifying system. And so he had two glass pipes. On this side was clear glass and it was sewage. On this side was clear glass and it was water. And they had a converter that was turning sewage into drinking water. So when he would bring people through, they would sit there and they would look at it and he would turn the tap on with just a filter separating them. And he would turn the tap on and drink it. I'm so glad that our God is the greatest purifier this world has ever known because friend we've given him a lot of mess to deal with but what did he do he took it from us and he said come and drink from a river of life that will flow freely
you ready for it? If you are, then I want you to come to the front of this building right now. Look, I, it may be something, it, you may not have any unforgiveness in your heart at all. And if you don't, then you begin to pray, God, help us all to be able to continue to show your love and your forgiveness. But today's the day that we leave it at the foot of the cross. Would you come right now as they sing this song very quickly? Now don't, don't be like the individual that said, I don't have anything against you. Now get out of my house. This is too important. It's not one of the apostles that said this, it's Jesus himself. And he hinges our ability to find forgiveness on our willingness to give forgiveness. Look, if I heard your story, I'd probably feel like, well, I can just tell you, I can tell you right up front, in my flesh, I'd say I wouldn't forgive him. But that's not an option for me. And it's not an option for you. It doesn't mean that you're making light of what you experienced. What it means is, is that you found someone bigger than what you experienced when you found Christ. You found something more powerful than the tragedy. You found something more important than the pain. His name is Jesus. If you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now, You've got to do this one for yourself, folks. Nobody can pray this one in with you. Nobody can lay hands on you and make you find forgiveness. This is something that has to come from down deep in your heart first. And, and it's tough, man. It's tough when you've when 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 you felt like that, that you know, you you just God, what did I ever do to deserve that? You didn't do anything to deserve it. You shouldn't have had to go through it. But then he never did anything to deserve the cross. But he was willing to face it. Face it for us. And he extended that forgiveness from that place of pain so we could be free from it. Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, pray this prayer from the depths of your heart. Lord, and I'm asking you in the name of Jesus today, I choose to forgive. I choose to release it. I'm not going to hold on to it any longer. Today, it stays right here. It's not going to follow me out of these doors. I'm free by the blood of the Lamb. I choose to say I forgive. Lord, right now, even though I don't feel it, I'm asking you to forgive them through me. Let your forgiveness flow through my heart because sometimes I can't find it on my own. Let your forgiveness flow through me and remind me how much you really love me. And I give you praise for it right now in Jesus' name. Come on and give him a hand clap of praise in this house today. We hope you've been touched by today's message. I wanted to take a moment and just remind you how very much God loves you. 
The Apostle Peter tells us that it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In the book of Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, God speaks through the prophet and tells us that I know what my plans are for you, that they're plans for good and not for destruction, to give you a future and a hope. That's what God wants for your life. He has a plan and a purpose designed specifically for you. And you can walk into that plan and purpose by just asking him in your heart today. I wonder if you'd take a moment right now and just stop wherever you're at and pray this prayer with me. God, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. Lord, I believe that Jesus was crucified on my behalf, that you raised him from the dead so that I could have life. And right now, I accept you as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, we believe that angels are rejoicing in heaven because you've come home. Now the important thing is for you to find a good Bible-believing church and become a part of that as you continue your journey with Jesus. We want to invite you to come and be with us any chance you get. Until then, remember, Jesus loves you and we do too.